Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. If you have a Bible with you today, find your way to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus the 12th chapter. At the end of the sermon today, we are going to partake in communion again, and everybody thought, Pastor, we took communion last week. Yes, but maybe you weren't here last week, and maybe you didn't take communion last week with us. If you were here last week, we did take communion again, and we are observing it again this week as it has direct impact on our lives from the text of Scripture that we are in. And the Bible, though it doesn't give a frequency for how often the Lord's Supper should be taken, the Bible simply says our direction is, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so whether we take it every week, once a month, once a year, there is a point and a purpose behind our observance of the Lord's Supper. And as we study Exodus 12 and 13, the final plague on Egypt is happening around what we are studying in 12 and 13. God has killed the firstborn of every man and beast in the land of Egypt. And we examined last week the Passover of God on his people, providing a a means of grace and mercy through the blood of a Passover lamb so that God's judgment would pass over his people as he struck Egypt. We've been looking at these uh, maybe out of order, not just working through the progression of 11, verse 1 through whatever, 12, 1 through whatever, 13, 1, uh, kind of breaking them up. And as we continue to observe and reflect on the events surrounding God's deliverance and redemption of Israel, we've been focusing on God delivering redeeming, and dwelling with his people. We find that deliverance and redemption happening together. And then as we examine 13 again a little more, uh, we'll see further redemption happening. So they start to happen simultaneously. As God is delivering, he is also redeeming his people. And as we continue on through this study, we will then see how he is going to dwell with a people that he has delivered, that he has redeemed, and then he lives with. Some might say, God with us. We have seen God's redemptive work in the blood of the Passover lamb. As God moves closer to dwelling with his people, we now see God has set a righteous standard in the form of a feast. We examined last week the Passover. This week, we're going to look at two passages of scripture. Let's just read them. Exodus 12, 14 through 20, and then 13, 3 through 10. Would you follow along with me? Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened Bread, chapter 13, verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today 
in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we look into your word, as we turn our attention now, Father, to learning from you, as we worship you and seek to learn from you, God, would you instruct us, your people, Father, how this passage of Scripture relates to us, its importance to us, how we apply this and live our lives now. Removed so far from ancient Israel, our customs, our traditions, the things that we do now look nothing like what they did then. So, Father, how do we learn from them? Oh, would you teach us, God? By the power of your Spirit and according to the truth of your word, teach your people how to live holy lives to the glory of your name. Father, I pray today for the witness of the village church, for those lives among us, those souls that may not be members of your family. I pray, God, that today our testimony of you would be used by you to adopt them into your family, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, I pray that you would humble the sinner to repentance and salvation. I pray that through the preaching of your word, the holiness of your people would be promoted and spoken of that we would be holy. And I pray, God, that Christ the Savior would be exalted. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I labored over what to title this sermon. I went through all kinds of different things, and I just settled on simply unleavened bread. Fancy title. It should help you remember the sermon very well. We read the word. I don't even know. I lost count of how many times unleavened bread is said. That's why I intentionally worked at reading it slow because the language is with leaven, without leaven, leavened and no leaven. I'm like, as I was studying, I was getting so confused as to which we were doing and when. Unleavened bread. These are God's instructions to Moses for the people of Israel. And as you saw in Exodus 12, 14 through 20, and in Exodus 3, 13, 3 through 10, you saw near identical passages. Like why, why are these things written twice? Why were they given twice? And if you were paying close attention in 14 through 20, you saw that Moses kind of through 14 through 16 and then 17 through 20 kind of repeats himself right in that same phrase. Like he says it and then he says it again. And then over in 13, he says it again. And there's speculation that these two things came at different times. We are examining them together because if I were to preach 14 through 20 today, and then 3 through 10 later, I would have to just give the same sermon again. It's the same message in both passages. So today, I simply hope to lay them alongside of each other and to show us, I pray, one, not to disregard repetitive scripture. I'm going to raise my hand as the first one guilty of wanting to avoid passages when they look, when they look similar. I just, it's, you're saying the same thing, God. No, we cannot avoid passages just because they look similar. I'm going to lay these two alongside of one another. I pray that we may learn the importance of remembrance and testimony. Last week, we studied the blood of the Passover lamb and the, the rite that they were given, the, the ceremony and the ordinance that they were given in Passover and what they were to do, the detail of what that was, who could observe it, how they observed it, where they observed it, what they did. This week we were looking at unleavened bread. And these two things 
Pastor, are they the same thing? Are these separate feasts? Let's examine the word and come to understand. Exodus 12, verse 14 says, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Now, you saw uh, in verse 18 there, I've got a line through it, so I wasn't sure if it was 16 or 18. Verse 18, Moses writes, in the first, in the first month from the 14th day, pay attention to these ex- important words, at evening. In the first month from the 14th day at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening evening. Our understanding when we speak of the Hebrew calendar, when we talk about days, it must be understood that their day began at sundown. This is hard for us because our days start at sunup. The Hebrew calendar, the day started at sundown. And all of a sudden, the Easter story made a lot more sense to everybody. It's sundown that starts the day, not sunup. So when was this given? Moses says from the, 14th of the, from the 14th day of the month at evening, when the sun is set, remember the instructions of the Passover lamb? You'll kill it at twilight, between evenings. There might be confusion about that word twilight. I didn't draw it out last week. People are like, twilight, that's like the morning, right? No, twilight is the light from when the sun goes down until complete darkness and from complete darkness until the sun comes up. Twilight when the sun has gone down. They've got these instructions regarding the 14th day, and now it is the 14th day at evening till the 21st day at evening. These instructions are applying to the 15th day of the month. On the 14th day, I know I'm getting really technical, but you've got to follow. We must understand this for it to all make sense to us now. On the 14th day of the month, when the sun went down, they slaughtered the Passover lamb. Right? They took the blood and they put it on the doorposts. And simultaneously, they stopped eating what was leavened. No leaven. The rules that God is going to give is that on that first day, you're to purge the leaven from your house. Get that out. Don't eat it, but get it out. It shall not be seen. You saw what they, it shall not be seen among you. It shall not be seen in your territory. Get the leaven out. At sundown on the 14th day, the 15th day has begun. So from the 15th day of the month, they start, they observe, seven days, no leaven. That word, feast, verse 14, this day, sundown on the 14th, start of the 15th day of the month, this day shall be a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. We think feast, we think November 13th, I got to buy that turkey, because in a week and a half, I will feast. When we think feast, we think large table. We think, depending on your perspective, either gross or awesome amounts of food. We're going to feast. The table will be filled with food and we'll feast. That word feast here cannot be understood that way. It must be understood that feast for ancient Israel meant festival, meant memorial, meant observance. A memorial day, you shall keep it as a feast. That word, festival, festival gathering, pilgrim feast, it's not just a meal. God is giving them a week-long commemoration of what he did for them in delivering them from Egypt. Our Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, separate things. As we read the scripture, it would be very easy for us to see Passover and unleavened bread and make them two observances. But what we have is two parts of one observance, starting with the Passover and continuing in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I want everyone to remember that phrase, okay? Starting with Passover and continuing with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And as we examine Scripture, which we must always do, Scripture shows us that this is the case. These are two aspects of one observance, separate observances. One thing being commemorated. The Passover lamb is the redemption, and let's talk now about what the unleavened bread aspect of this feast is. Are they the same? The Bible clearly shows us that Passover and unleavened bread are two components to one observance. In Leviticus chapter 23, which is 
written by Moses. As we opened this series through Exodus, we talked about a big word, Pentateuch, five books. The Jewish people would call it the Torah. The Bible calls it the law of God, the book of the law. Leviticus chapter 23, Moses is laying out the feasts that God's people, the festivals that God's people are to keep to remember the work of God among them. They all have a different meaning. They all have different points and aspects. We see Passover and unleavened bread first synonymous by Moses. He writes here in 12, are they separate things? No, they're two separate parts of one thing. In Leviticus 13, he illustrates it again, Passover and unleavened bread. It is beautifully seen in Joshua chapter 5, where Israel has been delivered, they've been redeemed, they have the tabernacle, and God is now dwelling with them. We'll see that later in Exodus. And then they cross, remember we saw in 13, they cross into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 5, as soon as they cross into the promised land, they observe Passover. Did they do that because they felt like it? In some churches, communion happens when church leaders say, we haven't observed communion in a while, let's observe communion. Or sometimes it happens when church members or those that regularly attend say, do you observe communion? And a pastor might say, we do, it's been a minute, we should do that again. Sometimes that's what happens with communion. Passover happened on the 14th day of the first month. If you want context for the entrance, fantastic context, for the entrance of God's people into the land promised to them when they came into the land, they halted all forward progress. The conquest is about to begin, and they observed Passover on the 14th day of the first month. It's seen in 2 Chronicles chapter 35 when in the days of Josiah, king of Judah, prior to the Babylonian captivity, he calls the people to observe Passover. Probably make a mental note, maybe even write down Josiah, 2 Chronicles 35, because I'm going to bring him up a little bit later again. It's also seen in the New Testament. Verse, uh, 20, verse 7 of chapter 22, the Gospel of Luke, Luke writes, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. If you read that verse without understanding that the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed after sundown on the 14th, and the 15th started after sundown, you would say, wait a second. How are these two things that happen on two different days happening at the same time? They're not. The 14th is ending. They are sacrificing the Passover lamb. At sundown, the 15th begins. They are observing the feast of unleavened bread. Luke writes, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. He would go on in Luke 22 to then record Christ's institution of the Lord's Supper the meal that we as Christians use in remembrance of what Christ did for us. It's very important that we do not lose sight of why Israel is doing this. The Israelites in Egypt aren't just to remember what God is doing. How many of us? Our testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, our testimony of what God has done, is always only what God has done. And I don't mean to diminish at all what God has done, because the work of God is extremely important. But here in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what God is giving them, what they are to do with this feast, is not simply to remember what God has done. They are to remember what he has done and where they are going. This feast is not just, God saved me from my sin. This feast is not just, God saved me from my sin. It is God saved me from my sin. I am his covenant child through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am 
going somewhere else. We see it right in the text in uh, chapter 13. We see it also in chapter 12, but 13 draws it out just a little bit more. Chapter 13, verse 5. When the Lord brings you into the land of the inhabitants who are there, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, etc., which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Why are we observing unleavened bread as an Israelite? To remember what God has done and where God is taking us. And when, the beautiful picture, in Joshua chapter 5, the nation of Israel stops on the other side of the Jordan River before Jericho falls, before the conquest of the land, when they stop and they observe Passover, they are now remembering what God has accomplished in doing precisely what God said he would do for them. I know that a lot of what I'm saying may be like, I'm trying to follow. It's a little twisty. I understand, which is why I'm intentionally, if you know me, trying to work slow through it. But I promise you, it's all significant to our life. The festival is to be kept in the new land at the same time, year after year, forever. The ancient people of Israel, and some could argue that modern-day children of Israel, should also still be following this. Pastor, why don't we do this? Because our directive, our direction, as children of God from the Lord Jesus Christ, is to do this. In Exodus chapter 12, 15 through 19, as with the Passover meal, there are rules for God's people regarding this feast. Moses calls it a statute. We talked about that last week, an ordinance. There are rules. Verse 15 through 20 of chapter 12 show us those rules. Look what they are. Verse 15 and 19, also chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, we understand that the period set for this feast is seven days. You're to do this for seven days. On the first day, you get rid of the leaven from among you, and you don't eat anything that has leaven in it. They are to eat bread that is made without yeast. No leaven. Just so we all understand what that means. Yeastless bread, unleavened bread, has no component in the dough to cause the bread to rise. Okay? You have to be a baker to understand this. Uh, and if you do any baking, you, you probably understand the idea of dough rising. It's got to set. It's got to, I think that I could use the word, and I know that I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, I think that we could say what actually is happening is the process of fermenting, and they are not to allow the bread to ferment. Yeast, leaven, whatever it is. So, do you understand, important note, they would have to have saved dough that was already rising from a previously made batch and then they would have to allow that to rise to make their breads. Like if you make bread at your home, you know what it is to get all the stuff into a bowl, whatever it is, you cover it, you set it on the counter, and you walk away from it. You let it do its thing. It's got to rise. You walk away from it. They are not to consume anything that has been allowed time to rise. Unleavened bread. In the time of the ancient Israelites leaving Exodus, leaving Egypt, they did not go to the pantry they did not grab yeast. They did not get their sourdough starter all worked up. They took one piece of dough from previous bread and let that rise, and they just kept it going. Probably would be much more akin to a sourdough than just making bread. Like, I'm taking this, I'm putting it here, and this is to set, rise, and I'll make more bread out of it. Chapter 12 and verse 13 tells us the time period is seven days. No leavened. You must not eat what is leavened. Verse 15 and 19 of chapter 12 gives us the warning that anyone, look at 15, if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Then look at 19. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is sojourner or a native of the land. So as we saw with Passover... 
there is one rule regarding unleavened bread for the naturally born Israelite, for the sojourner in the land, or for the native born in the land who is not an Israelite. They are not to eat in this period of time, or they are to be considered and placed outside of. Wow, if there's a problem that the modern day church has a problem with, we don't like to place anybody outside of anything. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't, I don't want to upset them. Distinctions are made between God's people and not God's people. And the violation of God's command is a way to show that you are not God's people unless repentance is following. God's people may violate God's command and they repent of it. Not God's people violate God's command and don't give a rip because God is not their God. It's not just in the eating, though. We see a great call to holiness and the separation between holiness and law-breaking. If anyone eats anything that is leavened, wow, that's steep. Like I had a morsel of unleavened bread, of leavened bread, and now I'm like out? Yes. You comply with God's word. That's what God's people do. You obey what God says. But it's not just in the eating. Look what verse 19 of chapter 12 says. No leaven is to be found in your houses. Look over to chapter 13, verse 7, right? We're laying these two things alongside one another. Look at verse 7, chapter 13. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. This is not just the not consuming of leavened bread. They are not to possess or have among them leavened bread or an agent to leaven the bread. They are not to make provision. The further direction of chapter 12, verse 15 On the first day, right, the first day, after sunset, on the 14th, the first day starts, 15. Purge the leaven. Don't eat it. What do we do with it? Get rid of it. Get it out of your homes. Be done with it. Be done with leavened on the first day. The direction is that they are to get rid of it. This goes back to that thought last week about the getting the lamb on the 10th and keeping it till the 14th and all of the preparation big word from last week, all the preparation that had to be made and all the preparation that should exist in our own lives to worship and obey God, part of their preparation was getting the leavened, the leaven agent out of their homes on the first day. So now I want you to think about the work that the Israelites had to go to. And you can just think about this in your own life. On the 10th day of the month, they're supposed to go and find a lamb. And that lamb is to be a male, it is to be one year old, it is to be without blemish, and they are to keep it from the 10th day until the 14th day, when they are supposed to kill it at twilight. And they are to roast the lamb whole. They're to eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They're to roast the whole thing with its head, its legs, and its inner parts. And they are to consume in their home, with however many people can eat the lamb, they are to consume the whole thing on the 14th, after the sun has gone down and the new day is beginning. While also now simultaneously making sure that there's no agent to leaven the bread in the home. Man, that sounds like a lot of work. Like I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about making Thanksgiving dinner in a week and a half, and that's a lot of work, but you're telling me now i got to go through everything. i gotta get, I got to make sure that the leaven, I want to make sure that my kids didn't sneak a little piece of bread into their room to save for later. You can't have it among you. It shall not be seen with you. So they're doing all this work to get the lamb, all of the work to kill and prepare the lamb, while also at the same time making sure all the leaven is out of the house. And nothing has been left over. And all of God's people said, God calls his people to work in following him. You do not come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and sit down and do nothing. You work to maintain your obedience and your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why unleavened bread? Why 
is this bread such a big deal that Moses repeats himself twice in one passage, then does the same thing again, maybe on the the next day, maybe it's daylight now on the 15th day. If we are taking our answers from the text as we should, it becomes clear when we pay attention to the actual event of Exodus, this is found in chapter 12, verses 33 through, uh, I don't know what, 40-something, 42, which we have not actually covered their departure. We're still trying to get there. The plague's happening. God is giving all the instructions to Moses about the Passover lamb, the unleavened bread, the, 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 the destroyer, as chapter 12, verse 20-something calls it, is about to come and plague all of the firstborn of man and beast in the kingdom of Egypt and of Israel if they don't apply the blood of that. That's all still happening. We haven't even left Egypt yet. But in the actual account of the Israelites leaving Egypt, it says in verse 39, they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. Look, for it was not leavened, Because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Remember Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, that Passover meal and all the work, all the preparation. Eat it quickly. There's a lesson in this for us, children of God. For no man knows the hour of the Lord's return when delivered from this Egypt, we will, in a greater exodus, be led by a greater Moses to a greater promised land. This life is going to end like that. Having great conversation with a brother this morning, we don't live that way. The world does not live that way. I want to know the outcome. I want to control the outcome. I don't want to do anything unless I know how it's going to turn out. Listen, stop worrying about all of that. Live Right now, the Christian life is a life of minute by minute, not plan by plan. Because at any moment, oh, please, Jesus, at any moment, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, he could step out and call us home and lead us. Come, come now, delivered from Egypt forever. If you don't want that to happen, I don't know what's wrong with you. I want this to be done. I love all of you. I love being here. I love everything about this life that God has given to me. But I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm only 41. I want to be with God. We just sang it. With Christ, my Savior, and my God forever. Do you understand the ramifications of being forever with God? Healed in your physical body. Praise God saved, the old hymn tells us, saved to sin no more. I mean, how much are you plagued with every day where you're like, I can't, I can't put this away, this struggle, this battle, this fight, not in glory. Gone, done, moreover, gathered with all the saints of God from all time, throughout all time, gathered around the throne, and we will be with God We will be his people and we will see him. That is what is awaiting us. And here, the the Israelites leaving Egypt did not have time because the deliverance of God was going to come quickly. It was going to come suddenly. Remember that as we examine the 10th plague, it says that in the night after the rustling of dying firstborn sons in every house in the land of Egypt, Moses said, go out of my land. Get out. The deliverance of God will come quickly. It will come suddenly. The bitter herbs were a reminder with the lamb of their bondage. The unleavened bread, a reminder of the rapid deliverance and the strong arm with which God brought them out. I want to make this note. We'll talk about it again in a couple weeks. Chapter 13, look with me if you will. Look at verse 3, the end of the verse. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. Look down the end of verse 9. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. And look at toward the end of verse 14. By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And the end of verse 16. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And everything that they are doing 
is to remember the strong hand of God delivering them from Egypt. The first day is to be marked with a holy assembly. We don't have any indication as to what that holy assembly looked like. Leviticus will call it a convocation, right? So a gathering. Get the people together, right? We could call this a holy assembly if we wanted to use that word. When God's people get together for the purpose of worshiping God, a holy assembly happens. On the first day, have a holy assembly. And on the last day, a holy assembly. God is orchestrating a worship service of himself for his people. You get everyone together. Get the whole congregation together and do nothing. And do nothing. Can you, could you imagine? I just want you to all think for just a moment. What if all the people of God just got together and did nothing but worship him? Well, Pastor, it's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I know, but we're all 10 miles down the road because we're not living minute by minute for the worship and glory of God. We're thinking about the plans that we've made, myself included. You'll gather together the first day, the last day. You shall do no work. You shall eat no unleavened bread. You shall worship you shall remember. Last week, I said that leaven is always an illustration of sin. Raise your hand if you are here last week and you remember me saying that. Leaven is always an illustration of sin in the Bible. I said that. You can go back and listen to it. It's recorded forever. I said that. And I was wrong. Which is proof that even your pastors need to read their Bible more. The Bible talks about leaven, but it is not always used in a negative context. In Leviticus chapter 23, when Moses is laying out the feasts of the Lord for the people, they are required in one of the feasts, they are required to bring an offering of grain from the new grain in the form of two loaves, where they are to bake them with leaven. What's God not going to ask for? Your gross sin. He washes that away. Bring me your grossness. Like we do that. We do that. Oh God, I am weak and needy. I'm a sinner. I'm vile. Forgive me. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our sins, from all unrighteousness. But in this offering, they are to present two loaves. Lord, here. These two loaves of bread with leaven. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 the Lord Jesus himself compares the kingdom of heaven to a woman hiding leaven. I can't remember the measurements. It says she takes X amount of measurement of leaven and hides it in X amount of flour in her home until all the flour was leavened. Christ is using that as a good example of the kingdom of heaven. If we look at the words, why the unleavened bread? Look at the words that give purpose to this, this feast, this seven days. Look at verse 12, or verse 14 of chapter 12, a memorial. Verse 17 of chapter 12, observe this day. 13, the third verse, remember. The eighth verse, tell. Look at verse 9 a sign for you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes. This feast exists for them to remember and to testify of all that God had done in delivering them for them where they are going and in Joshua chapter 5 and into the future of the history of God's people remembering where they had been, where God brought them to, and coincidentally, where God said, you're not going back to. God's people don't go back to Egypt. Interestingly enough, read the history of the Old Testament. Some of God's people do go back to Egypt, and it's not a good scene in their history. They were to remember, this feast is a weak long remembrance and testimony to what God had done, the delivering of them, the redemption of them out of Egypt as his people. They were to remember and testify. Look what he says in verse 8 of chapter 13. Look at the words. You shall tell your son on that day. 
Well, what if he doesn't ask? Moses is literally saying to them, don't worry, your kids are going to ask. Why? How many people like flatbread? Follow me. Just go with me for a minute. You like a good pita wrap? Gyro? Maybe you just like, maybe, maybe you like going to the Mediterranean restaurants, because I do, and getting the flatbread and swiping it through a pint of that garlic sauce and being as offensive as possible to everyone around you for the next 10 days. Right, flatbread. We, we like flatbread. Flatbread is not a bad thing, but I know there are some very health-conscious people in the room, but let's go with this thought for a minute. On the table before you, you have flatbread, or if you're me, a nutty donut. The kind that you can't take a bite of without, peanuts are going everywhere, right? And I have a beard, so they're like everywhere. When I'm done, I gotta, we gotta clean up. Pick your dessert of choice. Pick it. A chocolate-covered, custard-filled donut from Riverside, warm from the oven. (sighs) Proof of God's grace. You pick it. You pick it. The best things, breads that we love, cake, all that stuff has stuff that makes it rise. All of it. The best stuff has it. And and hence, God telling his people, bring me an offering of the grain, a new grain offering with two loaves baked with leaven. Don't you give me that flatbread stuff. That's for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You bring me your best bread. Can do, Lord. Gonna have to use a leavening agent. Do it. Leaven it. There's no contest. When you put a hot yeast donut on the plate and a tortilla without all the stuff inside of it. There's no contest there. They were to remember. They were to sacrifice. And when they do, God says, you shall tell your son on that day because he's going to say, but father, I want the donut. And you will say to him, no son, no son, not today and not for seven days while we remember what God did. For when God delivered me, right? This would be a first person account. This is not looking back centuries later from a point in time. This is these people leaving Egypt one year from now telling their son, why do we have to get rid of all the good bread, son? Because when the Lord brought me out of Egypt and delivered me, We could not bring the leaven with us. There was no time. God said, get rid of the leaven. You're not going to need it. I'm delivering you rapidly. We had to be ready. We left the yeast behind, and now we will spend seven days remembering the Lord delivering me. Maybe that's seven years down the road from the time a young man is delivered from Egypt, remembering his bonds, and he has a child born in the exodus from Egypt. And seven years down the road, oh, in the wilderness, wandering the wilderness because of their sin. We must observe the Passover. Father, this wilderness life is terrible. The reality is that the young boy's dad could be dead at the end of 40 years because you said no to me, my people. I said go into the land and you said we can't. We're afraid of the people that live there. Father, why must we get rid of the yeast and the leaven? Because, son, when you were born, we were in rapid flight from Egypt. Your mother was on the cart, and we were trudging out of, as rapidly as we could, out of Egypt as God delivered us, and now we will spend seven days, and we will remember how God delivered us by eating this lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread, and we'll have no leavened bread for seven days. They were to remember, they were to testify. The day will come. What if my son doesn't ask? Don't worry, he's going to ask you because you are going to do something that does not make any sense. <laughs> I hope you're all listening. What did you do yesterday? Sunday, what did you do? Day off. Did you go hunting? Did you go to the, go to the grocery market? Did you go to, the, go to the game, watch the game, watch the race? What did you do? 
I went and gathered with the people of God. You did what? Now, people don't really find that so insulting. I went to church. Oh, good for you. Passing comment, gone and done. Later on, they're going to spend some time thinking about the fact that you said you went to church, and they're going to think about how strange that is. Because this is strange. It's strange. We don't do it because it's fun and makes sense. Now, I enjoy it. It's fun, and it makes sense. But I also know my Redeemer. So for the redeemed, it makes sense. For the unredeemed, they look and they wonder. Young children look and wonder. You're not going to have to wonder if he's going to ask. He's going to ask because you're going to do something that's going to seem strange to him, and you will say, it is because of what the Lord has done for me in delivering me from Egypt. Earlier, maybe you wrote it down, I mentioned the observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the days of Josiah, 2 Chronicles chapter 35. Anybody familiar with the story of Josiah, king of Judah? Think about him for a second. Josiah, king of Judah. He was the one who was made king at a young age. And then the book of the law was found. And then the book of the law was read to him. And all of a sudden, Josiah realized they were doing absolutely nothing that the book of the law told them to do as God's people. He was wrecked about it. And so Josiah, probably, so in in the Christian faith and Christian history, we talk about the Reformation in the 1500s and ensuing centuries. We talk about the Reformation of the Christian church away from Catholicism. Listen, before Luther, before, before Calvin, before, you name him, before all of those great reformers, there was Josiah, king of Judah. And he read, this is the heart of Reformation, and he read the book of the law, and he was torn. We must do this. And it says he tore down all of the idols, all of the towers, all of the Asherah poles. He got rid of all the high places, got rid of all the priests, did everything returned to, go back to. And he called for the Passover to be celebrated when? On the 15th, on the 14th day of the first month. You know what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 35 of Josiah calling for the Passover? It's neighborhood of 16, 17, 18, 2 Chronicles 35. It says that when Josiah called for the Passover, no Passover had been kept like it since the days of Samuel. Anybody willing? I like interacting with all of you. We're all brothers and sisters together. Anybody willing to take a wild stab in the dark, just lift your hand and tell me if you can guess the years approximately from Samuel to Josiah, king of Judah. Anybody with a guess? If I told you, you don't count. What's that? No. One guess, that's all we get. Nearly 400 years from Samuel to Josiah, No Passover had been kept like the one they kept that year. What does that mean? There was a lot of forgetting and a lot of not testifying. The period of Israel's history from Samuel to Josiah and even after Josiah is dark and it's awful. And kings left and right are not obeying God. They're doing what they want in their own eyes, doing what seems right, following the sinful footsteps of their parents. No one is remembering God's deliverance. No one is testifying of God's goodness. It's just being forgotten until Josiah comes along and then they remember the Passover. They return to their God. And you know what? Josiah dies and they went right back to where they were before Josiah, sinning and doing what they thought was right in their own eyes because we are corrupted. We must constantly be returning to God's word. As the Israelites remove leaven from among them, as we see them getting rid of it and observing this feast of unleavened bread, for seven days they shall only eat bread that is unleavened. The purpose of this feast, for us to be clear on, is to remember and to testify. Verse 17 of chapter 12, verse 8 of chapter 13, to remember and to testify of what. God has done for them. And now we bring it to us. What does it mean for us? I have this question. Are you remembering and are you testifying to what the Lord has done in delivering you out of Egypt and leading you to the promised land? We're not there. Some people have such a radical testimony and transformation of coming to faith in Christ 
The grace of God, the mercy of God, redeems a sinner out of the despair and bondage of their sin. And they have such a radical transformation that they go from this dreadful life of sin to all of a sudden they're over here and life is good. Things are going well for them. They are on fire for the testimony of, and, and we are tempted in that moment to think, I got there. All of my worries and troubles, they're over. No, no, no. And, and those maturing in the room said, oh, we know that's not true. No, it might seem true for a time, but then the first challenge that comes along, the faith gets tested to produce perseverance in us, and we're all over the place with what in the world is happening. I thought I was in the promised land. No, 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 no. You're being led, delivered from, in Exodus 2, the promised land. Are you testifying of what God has done? Are you remembering One of the very reasons that we observe the Lord's Supper, to remember and to testify of what Jesus Christ did for us. When your children ask, why do you take communion? Do you tell them? Do they get, oh, Lord, forgive me. Do they get a, I'll explain it when you're older. Or do you tell them? Listen, if you have a child, I don't care the age, and they're asking you, why do you do that and why can't I? Tell them. Tell them. Figure out how to tell them in the simplest of ways, but don't, don't give them an, until you're older. Start testifying and remembering what God has done. They're not asking you to explain this. They are asking you to tell them of what God has done in delivering you and to testify of his goodness in redeeming you. That's why we do this. When you walk up here and receive the bread and the cup, are you truly remembering what God has done? Is this a testimony of what Christ has done for you? Or are you just keeping up appearances to look religious? We should never approach the table just to keep up appearances. If anything, among the people of God, we should sit. And when someone says, brother, sister, I noticed that you did not go forward. Are you okay? Like, that's a moment to care for one another. And it's a moment for us, if you're like, I don't think I can approach that, then it's a moment for you to remember precisely this. Why do we approach the table? Because of what Christ did. Oh, I'm too sinful. I can't approach the table. Think about that. I'm too sinful. I can't approach the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole deal. That's precisely why we have the Lord's Supper, to remember, to do it in remembrance and to proclaim the death whereby we are saved. It is because of what the Lord did. The real biblical illustration in closing, and then we'll observe the supper and sing, The real biblical illustration of leaven and yeast. How many people are like, Pastor, can you explain that? Last week you said it's always sin, but today you said it's not always sin. You gave these examples of why it's not. And Can you help us understand then the actual illustration of yeast in the Bible? Sure, it's this. Something that over time consumes what it's in. The biblical illustration of yeast, of leaven, is one of something that over time consumes that which it is in. Jesus gave the example in Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who hid some some yeast in some flour until what, he says? Until all of it was leavened. Why? Because whether it's a minuscule grain or whether it's a, 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 a tablespoon or a a quarter cup or six cups. When you take that leavening component and you add it to the flour, you can never get it back out again and the process for which God created it has begun. No matter how great or small, you can't reverse that. The two most often referenced passages, two most often referenced passages regarding leaven have to do with sin and evil. That's why I said to you, Leaven and yeast is always an illustration of sin. In the Gospels, Jesus warns of the leaven of the Pharisees, which was what? The yeast of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul warns the Corinthian church about not dealing with a man who is an immoral, unrepentant sinner among them, claiming to be one of them. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? 
And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shows us that a little sin in the church is going to work its way and become a lot of sin in the church. Well, let's look around at the church landscape, not just our own, always, I hope, our own first, but let's just consider the state of God's people in the world today. Nobody's standing in front of 15,000 people and saying, you're sinners, repent. That's not attractive. It's much better to tell people, just go ahead and live a good life. God wants you happy, healthy, and wealthy. Gosh, we'd have to like rent three or four gyms if we preached that message. Paul says, get the sin out. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Remember, the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 7, they've observed the Passover there in the promised land, and one little guy takes one little spoil and hides it under one little floor of his little tent. And what happens? They start getting it handed to him because sin is a problem. So though we often see yeast and leaven as sinful, not always, however, like the Israelites coming out of Egypt in haste, no time to take the comforts of Egypt behind them. Listen, when God draws us out of bondage, out of sin, everybody think right now of God drawing you out of sin. Every person in the room, think about your sinful life. What a wreck. How much did you grab on your way? How much leaven of the old man did you look at on the way out and say, I got to take that with me though? That's the illustration. Something that over time consumes what's in it. You know the fight that you already have. We're already by nature sinful people. We already struggle by nature with putting away the flesh. But when you start taking the things of the old life with you, it's going to work its way back into consuming you. Next thing you know, people are going to be knocking on your door saying, where are you at? Are you okay? Are you a Christian still? No, get the leaven out. The Israelites had to come out in haste, in a moment. No time to take the creature comforts, the nice things, the yeast-filled donut with custard and chocolate. Get rid of it. Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Paul says to us, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So what is, the, what is the point then for us? We come to the table, we consider the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians says, chapter 5, has been sacrificed. Well, for the Israelites, it was Passover lamb, feast of unleavened bread. Christian, faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are living in seven days after Passover for the rest of your life, remembering and testifying to the goodness of God and what he has done. No more leaven of the world, no more remnants of Egypt, all of it left behind and focusing on God delivered me. I'm remembering, I am testifying, I'm not taking it with me. We are in seven days, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and we're going to approach the table. Remembering the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. You don't have to be a member of the church to observe communion here with us. You're welcome to the table if you are a professing Christian. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized according to Scripture. The Bible tells us, this, tells us that this meal is for God's people. If you have questions on it, if you're not sure about it, I don't know if I should, please find me after and let's talk about it. Because the table is open, but not everyone can come to it. I'd love to talk with you about how you can approach the table of our Lord and what that means. John Collins would love to talk with you. Others in the room, green lanyards, talk about approaching the table. If you're here today, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized according to Scripture, the Bible says examine yourself and take of the meal. We remember the body broken for us. We remember the blood spilled for us, whereby we find the remission of sin. God, I come before you today. Father, help us. We are in need of being a people that remembers and testifies of your goodness to us. Oh God, help us. Father, you have done a mighty work. By a strong hand, you led us out of Egypt. And we come in this moment to remember Christ, our Passover lamb, slain for us from the foundation of the world, whereby we find grace, mercy, reconciliation with you. Father, strengthen us in our memory and our testimony. Help us to remember and to talk about when we are asked, why do we do this? Why do you do this? Help it to be a moment where we testify, oh God, of the work you have done. Father, we pray that this worship honors you. Thank you for speaking to us from your word by the power of your spirit. Thank you for speaking to my heart. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's Word.